This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we are recapping a very fast NESCAC championships for men's swimming and diving, where senior captain Nathan Barry won a pair of conference championships and made history in the 100-yard backstroke. Plus, we preview the baseball and men's lacrosse seasons. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The women's basketball team saw their season come to an end in the NESCAC quarterfinals Saturday at second seed Williams, where the seventh seed Bobcats fell 62-55 to the Eves. Sophomore Alexandra Long scored a career-high 19 points in the loss. And senior captain Megan Graff finishes her career with 1,645 points, the fourth most in NESCAC history. Speaking of the NESCAC championships, the men's swimming team finished sixth out of 11 schools over the weekend, but it was senior captain Nathan Barry who grabbed the headlines winning the NESCAC title in both the 100-yard backstroke and the 100-yard freestyle. He also helped the Bobcats break four program relay records, setting Bates up nicely for the NCAA championships. Barry's 100-yard backstroke was a nearly unprecedented NCAA A-cut time of 46.82 seconds, the second fastest time in the country this season, and the fastest ever 100 back at the NESCAC championships. I kind of blew my own expectations out of the water, which is uh, something that I don't do very often. You know, I I try to set pretty high standards for myself. And last year at NCAA is when I went 47.82. After that race, I was like, that, I don't know how much lower I can go. Like, that was about the most perfect race I can ever swim. But, you know, apparently uh, some things went really well this year. I, uh, I tried the, there's like a nose clip thing, which you can use on backstroke. And I tried that, really helped the last 25, so the second half of my race got a lot faster. I had more oxygen left. Um, That combined with, you know, I I used a really good suit that I like, and the underwaters felt really fast, and it was just a whole combination of things. I didn't think that I'd be ever breaking 47. And the NESCAC record, which is also the NCAA record by Benjamin Lynn from Williams, is 46.62. So I thought, you know, I'm going 47 low, hopefully. Like, if everything goes really well, I'm going 47 low. And then 46.8, I mean, that was just, I didn't even, I couldn't even believe that I had finally broken 47, that that ever happened. I kind of looked dumb on the thing, because I had the nose clip on, I'm like looking up at the scoreboard, and I have to like breathe through my mouth, so I'm like squinting, I'm like, <gasps> like stupid for like two seconds until I take the nose clip off, but uh, it's worth it. I'll take the second drop. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, because I saw the nose clip. I didn't know mm-hmm. what that was. So kind of explain to the people who don't know how that helped you. Right. So so when you're on your back underwater, um, water will just get in your nose if you're, like, on your back. And so even if you hold your breath, it's still going to get in there and it's going to mess up your whole race. So you have to blow out bubbles through your nose in order to stave that off. But if you blow out bubbles, you're losing air. So it's harder to hold your breath for as long. So if you have the nose clip on... You prevent yourself from losing that air. The nose, the water doesn't get inside your nose. And so, like, on the last 25, you're supposed to do a lot of underwater dolphin kicks to try to maintain the speed because it's faster to swim underwater than on the surface. But when you're tired, um, you, I could only do, like, five, maybe six kicks on the last wall. But when I had the nose clip in, I could easily do seven or eight on the last wall. And that was just – and it wasn't even hard. You know, like I could just, it was just, I was cruising, felt good. And so I feel like there's even some more speed that I can find now that I know my my limits are a little bit further than I thought they were. Well, and then an A-cut time, for people who don't know, like, you know, B-cut times are very good. They put you in position for NCAAs. A-cut time is like national championship level, right? And that's the first A-cut I think Bates has ever had in the modern era, according to Vanessa, at least. I don't know about, you, you, you know history pretty well, but I mean, what's it mean to get an A-cut like that in NESCACs? A cut is crazy. So, uh, if you don't know, an A cut is um, an average of the last three winning times at NCAA's. Right. So, um, and they don't get slower. So if if the <laughs> if the average is slower than the A cut used to be, they don't move the A cut up. They they keep it what it was. So um, that was. I wasn't even expecting that. I didn't even know what the A cut was. Mm. I didn't even. I was like, oh, forty six eight, nice. And then. Nate Summer came up to me in the warm down pool. He was like, you know, that was an A cut, right? I was like, 
what? <laughs> oh, okay. That's cool. Um, turns out there's still another guy, uh, Tanner Fillion, um, who went 46-7. Uh, mm. So there's still a, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not the fastest in the country. Um, so still got some competition, still got somewhere to go. But um, that was nice. You don't see too many A cuts. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And who, who are you pointing to across the way there at the end of the celebration? You were pointing at somebody. Oh, yeah. the entire team. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> because our team is so awesome that you have all 23 or four other guys that yeah. are not in the pool are at the end of the lane uh, just going crazy. Um, so, you know, they're all cheering. Let's go, Barry. I'm like, yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. Um, did it for you guys. Did it for you. Awesome. And then the next day, the 100 free prelim, you qualified for the top eight, but you were like seventh, I think. Mm-hmm. And so you were on the outside lanes in the final, and you were behind initially. I watched the clip, and you came from behind and went. So take us through that race, because an outside lane, that could be tough to win a race from that positioning, right? Yeah, it's it's a little hard to see, like, you can kind of see if you're in the middle of the pool, you can see the splashes on either side mm-hmm. of you without really looking. But when you're in the outside lane, you just have to swim your own race and, and hope that it goes well. You can't really see where anyone else is. Um, that morning hurt. That was I was tired that morning. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, I just want to go. You know, 44-9 should make it back. That's 45-6. And last year, 45-6 would not have made it back a final. Um, so I got really lucky that. You know, I was a little off that morning, but so was everyone else. So I managed to squeak in seventh place freshman year and junior year. Uh, the only other two times I've got, gotten to go, I was seventh in prelims and then eighth in the, mm. in the final. So right. I like added a bunch of time. So seventh to eighth in the last year, seventh to eighth, this year, seventh to first. And it was just a relief that finally I was able to do a hundred free at finals and not add like a whole second, um, <laughs> It was, it was just, I, I really wanted that. I wanted it and uh, made it happen. Did all the right things in warm-up, and it was very exciting. And clearly, everyone else uh, was not really expecting it either. So <laughs> it's kind of kind of fun to do something like that. Yeah, definitely a great come-from-behind victory there. And the 100 free, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's considered like kind of the premier swimming event in terms of sprinting. Is that fair? It's You got a lot of people in the 100 free yeah. because the – the drop dead 50 people like me have to kind of come up in distance a little bit, mm. but then you got all the 200 people who were really good at distance and like extended sprinting coming down to the hundred. Mm. So it's a, sort of meet in the middle thing. Um, it's sort of equivalent to like the 200 meter in track uh, where it's just like, you got everyone doing it and a lot of p- different people can be really good at it. So it's a really deep event and it's really a tough one to squeak into the top there. Excellent. Then tell us about the relay teams, because um, not all the relay records fell this year. I think I don't think the 800 free relay fell, but all the other program records mm-hmm. uh, and the relays fell uh, for the second straight year there. So, I mean, you're on a bunch of relays. So what are those groups like um, from your perspective? Uh, we got really strong relays, obviously. Um, you know, there are a lot of seniors and a few freshmen have been added this year. So, you know, Marich on the breaststroke has been mm. phenomenal. He had the fastest breaststroke split in history on our two medley relay time trial, 24-7 or something. Just insane. And we had a Max Corey um, who, you know, can throw down a 20.5 flat start. He had a 20.0 relay start um, during that weird time trial that we did halfway through Sunday when everyone was tired and he still managed to throw down a 20.0. And it's just a fantastic group of, of guys, and I'm really excited that we have the opportunity to get, we know six of them are probably going, mm. and possibly seven. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so right, we'll the find results out. come out tomorrow. Yeah, exactly, um, we'll find out. <laughs> but I I just could not be happier. That's something that we've been trying to do is, is get um, men's relay to nationals and we finally done it this year, and we dropped a lot of time off the records. You mentioned the time trial, because I thought that was interesting. So Thursday night, normally it's just the 800 free relay, but this time on Thursday you did a time trial in an event you're going to compete in later anyway. So take us behind the strategy, you know, talking with Coach about that, I guess. Yeah, um, it's it's an idea that he introduced a few weeks before the meet started. He was like, what do you think about doing a time trial? I was like, well, it, you know, it could make sense, because when you get to Saturday, you're already three days into the meet, so you're a little bit more tired. So maybe if you do it on Thursday with the relay that we have the best shot at getting to nationals in, we do it fresh. Everyone's excited. You can set a good tone for the meet, which I think we did. You know, it's um, we had a really fast time, 129.0, which was just crazy. 
And since we're the only time trial in the pool, everyone on the sidelines is watching. It puts Bates on watch and, well, everyone on watch for Bates more accurately. <laughs> right. Like they're all like, wow, uh-oh, got to watch out for Bates now. So it was a little bit of that like intimidation factor kind of thing. Um, and it was also just, you know, this is our best shot. Our, this relay is our best shot, so let's let's get it when we're fresh and try to nail it. And that was a 200 medley? 200 medley. And yep. so you're the backstroke in that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. And then um, I saw the team was slightly different in the actual race. What was behind that? I think you subbed out um, someone for Jung, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So yeah. um, we had Edmund on the original yeah. relay in the time trial, but then we had an insane 400 medley relay on Friday night. Okay. Just blew it, and that had Edmund on it. Yeah. And so we were like... Hey, you know, we already got Edmund going to nationals. Mm. We have another butterflyer who, like, we would love to have two butterflyers going to nationals. Sure, Tristan as well. Yeah. Um, and Tristan had been having a great meet. He went forty nine nine in this hundred flies. So we we're like, man, let's get it. Um, turns out, our original, like, the reason we did the time trial was kind of right. We were a little bit mm. more tired on Saturday, so we unfortunately didn't go faster than the the time trial. So um, we didn't quite didn't quite get that one. Gotcha. And then, yeah. well, I'm curious about when you're doing a time trial, because you're not racing anyone else. So what's that experience like compared to when you're racing, you know, seven other teams? <laughs> um, it's You have to find a different way to, like, you know, quote unquote, swim for your team. Yeah. Because uh, when you're racing it against other people, it's like, oh, you just, we want to score points to beat the other teams. That's how it works. But time trial, you don't score any points. So it's like, <laughs> well, how, how can I, how can I do this? So you have to think about the story that you're swimming for. That's that's what I always try to do. There's there's little stories that you can always find if you're looking. And I'm always really motivated to swim for any kind of story. So I'm like, this Nate Summer and Edmund Jung, senior year, I want to get them to nationals. And I have a whole team of 24 people behind, behind the lane screaming as loud as they can for us. Um, and it's just like, when I do stuff like that for some story for to to complete some end, that's that's what that's what I have to dig into. And so it's not just like, oh, I'm gonna do a fifty backstroke now. It's like, no, this this matters. This like what I'm doing, it means something. And I really wanna make it happen. And I think you had the fastest fifty back I think it was in the second race you did though. Um the fastest fifty back in the history of the NESCAC in that in that mm-hmm. split, right? And yeah. to lead off. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It, kind of flew under the radar because it was like in the middle of right. the thing so it's like you know it's part of a relay the relay is what really matters yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah that was a nice little uh this little uh pickup pick up there um nescac record was 21.60 which i tied on the time trial and then mm. 21.23 on the the relay but um it's kind of weird because nobody else in the NCAA really does the 50 backstroke. It's kind of only the NESCAC. So. I was going to say because it's yeah. not an NCAA event. Right. You kind of wish it was. I wish it was. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. <laughs> if we had the 25 free, that would be even better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 25 free, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, 50 back is uh, – I love that event. Um, but it's kind of hard to compare, you know, obviously because it's it's not an NCAA event. So yeah. faster than NESCAC is, is great. Yeah. And then um, you're well. You've touched on this, but you're the only person on the current men's team that has been to NCAA's because mm-hmm. you went last year with with Andrew Hall, mm-hmm. um, and he graduated. And so and that's sort of got to be a big motivation for you to bring some of your fellow seniors there. And you touched on that. I mean, what, that's been the focus all year. How how happy are you that it's a, hopefully knock on wood about to come to fruition tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very exciting. Um, we haven't had any uh, nationals practices yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having our first one today. We had yesterday off because sure, coach is nice. <laughs> that makes um, sense. So, you know, tonight I'm sure we're going to have a meeting tonight about what nationals means, what we're doing. And these these guys, I'm really confident, are like 100 percent dedicated to what we're doing. They're not like, oh, we have to go to nationals. We have another (laughs) month of swimming. Oh, no. No, I like these guys have all really wanted it. And it's it makes me so happy because I know last year there were. There were so many guys on the team who would have given an arm and a leg to have the opportunity to go to nationals. And we finally made that dream come true for for more guys than we ever thought possible. Excellent. Well, we'll find out officially who's going tomorrow. We're talking on a Tuesday, so Wednesday. Check out GoBatesBobcats.com. We'll have the full announcement there. Nathan Berry, uh, male Bobcat of the Week. Uh, just what a performance there. Nescax, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Thank you. 
The Nordic and Alpine skiing teams competed at the Williams Carnival on Friday and Saturday as both teams saw career best and top 10 performances. For Nordic skiing, it came on Friday when sophomore Matthias Boudreaux-Golfman placed 10th out of 88 competitors in the men's 10K Classical Technique race. Well, Matthias, a 10th place finish for you in the 10K Classic there at the Williams Carnival. Just kind of take us through the race. I mean, it was a career best for you. You've had some good races, though, this year. What was particularly working well there over the weekend? I'd say, for starters, the coaches really nailed the waxing this weekend. Um, It's always, especially in classic races, um, the wax matters a lot. So we have kick wax, which is... When you're going up a hill, if you don't have kick wax, you're kind of screwed. Um, and the coaches really nailed it. Um, and then also, it was raining. And I'm, I usually do well when the conditions are really bad. And, like, I feel like I have an advantage when everyone else is like, oh, this sucks. I'm like, all right, like, I'm going to use this to really just go as hard as I can and take advantage of that. Um, so I think the combination of that, um, wax, and just... I've been really training a lot this year, and I think the accumulation of those three things really just all worked, um, and it felt really good to see that in the results. Was this a mass start or an interval? Uh, This was a 15-second interval start. Okay. Um, Yeah. So when it's an interval start versus a mass start, how does that change things for you? Um, For me, I I typically do better in individual star races Mm -hmm. just because – I have, like, a bad um, track record with equipment, and in mass starts, it's super easy to just get caught up and break your poles or, like, someone trips you up. Um, So that's been happening to me earlier in the Mm. season. Um, So it was really good to just have an individual start race. Um, 15-second intervals is super nice because you can catch the person in front of you and, like, stick with them. Um, And I actually had, like, I think the guy who won started 15 seconds behind me. So I was able – he caught me, and then I was able to stick with him for, like, a lap. So that really helped a lot. Terrific. And then um, you know, when it comes to classic versus freestyle, what do you prefer normally? I definitely prefer classic. Yeah. Um, I just feel like classic is, like, initially Nordic skiing was just classic. Right. And then skate got invented later. <laughs> and I feel like classic skiing is just more raw athletics versus technique. Mm. Um, and my technique's not perfect, so <laughs> – Definitely tend to do better in classic races. Yeah. Great. And so um, as a sophomore here, tell us, you know, when you were in high school, when you're looking at schools, obviously you're looking to probably do, you know, Nordic skiing in college. Well, what made Bates the place for you? Um, so I would say when I was looking at schools, I was looking for – I wanted to go to school in the east. And so there's basically the NESCAC schools and then there's a couple of state schools in the east that ski. And it really just came down to – I went to all the schools and I visited them. And when I came here, like the atmosphere of the campus, I just like, I was like, wow, like I could, I could see myself calling this place home. And like, it felt very friendly. And then I also loved the team when I met them. Um, And also Terrence, um, he's on my team. He also went to Stratton with me. So he told me a lot about it and recommended it and it just it felt like it felt like a place i could call home yeah yeah that's terrence zander martin who we've had on the uh show a couple times um i'm curious about going back even further i guess growing up how did you into the sport you know to begin with yeah um i'd say definitely due to my dad um my dad's an immigrant he came over from russia when he was like 20 years old okay um and he skied there Mm. So then, like, me and my three brothers, we all skied ever since I was in, like, kindergarten. And so I've basically been doing it my whole life. Kind of got to the point where, like, I was like, all right, like, I've I've committed so much time to this. Like, I'm pretty good at it. um, And I'm loving it. And I was like, might as well use this sport to get me into a good college. Um, Mm. And definitely skiing is a big reason why I'm here. Um, Great. And then I guess, yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, skiing being a big part of, you know, helping you get into debates and whatnot. Um, how have this gone from an academic perspective, kind of adjusting to the college level academics and everything? Yeah. Um, I definitely thought it was going to be a lot harder, okay. to be honest. Like, I feel like, I feel like getting in can sometimes be the hardest part. And then like, there's so many resources here at Bates to help you that like, 
I find whenever I'm struggling, I can just like go to my professor, or, mm-hmm. like go to ARC and get help. So I haven't had too much of a struggle so far. Um, I know for skiers, you're off campus a lot. I mean, you're a little closer if you're if you're training at Pineland than the, the Alpine skiers are at Sunday River. But I mean, how do you balance, you know, being off campus so much and, and the studying? Yeah, that's definitely a bit tricky. Um, you know, leaving on Thursday and missing Friday classes mm-hmm. and Thursday afternoon classes for it's like eight weeks. Um, definitely is a bit of a struggle missing class. So um, typically you like try to cater your schedule to it. But this year, like I have a class on Friday that I miss. Um, so it's really just like I meet with my professor once a week yeah. um, for that class. And that's helpful. But it definitely is kind of a struggle balancing it. But I did that in high school also, which definitely prepared me for balancing it. Um, Great. A lot of skiers take gap years. Did you do that or no? I just went straight in. Straight in. Okay. It's kind of rare, actually. Most skiers take gap years, I feel like. (laughs) I was thinking about taking a gap year, but then COVID kind of backed off a little bit. So I was like, all right, like right, I'll I'll go. Why not? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Great. And then um, I guess we got the St. Lawrence Carnival uh, this weekend. Have you been to this course before? Yeah. So we went there for fall camp. We were actually up at at Lake Placid. So we skied there for like two weeks. And then it's kind of like a, like in the east, the snow is just super patchy lately. Mm -hmm. So like there's been like other events at Lake Placid and actually NCAAs will be at Lake Placid. That's right. Um, Yeah. And uh, another top 10, you might get there, right? <laughs> is that a possibility? Yeah, it's definitely yeah. – I'm, like, on the verge of making it. Yeah. It's definitely going to be tricky, but, yeah. you know, I think I need – I calculated with my coach. I think I need a 13th skate, and then I'll make it. Um, oh, okay. So I have I have two classic races and two skate races. That's what they take. Right. Um, and I think the top 10 classic definitely boosted my classic points. Yeah. I think it's more important for me to get a skate race in now. Gotcha. Um, okay. We'll see, though. It's definitely possible, but... Yeah, we'll yeah. keep an eye out, then, for that top 13 in skate you're looking for. Okay, yeah. great, great. And, um, yeah, I guess what are your thoughts you want to share on the Williams Carnival, maybe the season as a whole we haven't got to talk about yet or anything? Yeah, um, it's been a great season so far. Um, I'm honestly... I'm super stoked with just how it's gone. Like, I feel like every weekend I've tried to get better, and I feel like I was definitely able to do that last weekend, and I'm hoping I can finish it off strong, you know. Maybe get another top ten. We'll see what happens. Excellent. We'll keep an eye out. Uh, Matias, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. On Saturday, Alpine skiing senior captain Crawford Jones tied for ninth out of 76 competitors in the giant slalom, setting himself up for a potential NCAA championships bid if he can deliver a similar performance this weekend at Whiteface Mountain. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was uh, an interesting weekend to start. You know, we switched uh, GSOSB first and Slalom second, but we had a pretty uh, rainy day on Friday, so which ended up being the Slalom, which works out well for me, you know, being a GS guy. And then we had a nice freeze overnight, so it was a really great service, which made a really fair race. So I was starting um, out of the top 30, which is normally seated off previous races. I had uh, had trouble in the race before, so... Starting a little bit out of it, but the snow was really great. So I managed to have a really great first run. I mean, it's really like a pretty technical kind of sprint there. So it's pretty turny and steep, which is kind of what I like. So had a good first run. I was in seventh first run, so which definitely is, you know, it gave me that kind of opportunity where I wasn't, you know, too far back that I, you know, I wasn't going to move back, hopefully. So that's kind of the tough part, I think, sometimes with second runs is you got to go do it again. Yeah. So, you know, there was definitely some nerves up there, but, you know, I just kind of kept the same um, game plan for second run as I did first run and uh, had a little bit slower second run, a little mistake, but ended up in, in ninth, which was awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you, know, you look up at the rankings, you see your seventh after one run. I mean, what's going through your mind kind of heading into run two? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, that's kind of the tough part about skiing is, you know, It's not like, you know, you take one run and you're, oh, good run, I'm done for the day. You know, you got to go up there and fight through all those nerves and and do it again. So I think I just try to, you know, I mean, being a senior, you know, I'm just trying to really enjoy it right now. And that's just my focus, kind of just sending it basically. And yeah, doing what I can. So Excellent. You said maybe one little mistake on the second run. How does that, how do you... Do you notice it as it's happening? Like, oh, I messed that up, or what's what? How does that work? Yeah, so um, off the kind of the top pitch, they um, ran it out a little bit more with kind of a straighter section, and uh, that's kind of normally a part where you're trying to gain some speed. And I was still kind of fighting the line down there to get back to kind of um, the line I was on at the top of the pitch. So that kind of helped, but you know, it's and it, sometimes it you know if as long as you don't lose time, it can kind of get you back into things and you know get your your legs going again. So I think you know. 
sometimes it just gets you going, which wasn't too bad. So, yeah, kind of made up for it the, the bottom half of the course, which was good. Great. And you have the St. Lawrence Carnival this weekend. Um, how does this course compare? I mean, have you, first of all, I assume you've been there before. Yep. Yeah. Okay. How's it compare to what you just raced there at Williams? It's actually my favorite hill. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. When I raced there previously before college, um, I always did well there and I always liked it. So I'm excited for that. Um, it's a decent, moderate pitch up top, and then it's relatively flat. Um, and then there's a kind of a bigger rollover at the bottom into the finish line, which normally gives people trouble. So. And you have three straight days of racing. So yep. what's that going to be like compared to two? Yeah, it definitely will be a little busier. Um, it is kind of nice having that um, two GSs back-to-back Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday. You know, So you kind of have two chances other than you know you go from GS to slalom, kind of that quick switch there. So that'll be, that'll be nice and a good opportunity. So just got to take advantage of it. And we talked a little bit off-air about this, but NCAAs is obviously a possibility if you have another big GS performance. Um, kind of give us some bracketology, if you will, for skiing. Break it down for us how it's going to go down. <laughs> yeah, so they uh, take your best two results yep. in each discipline. So I need another. I have like a 23rd in GS right now with my ninth. So, you know, it really depends on the year and how many uh, each East Coast or West Coast is allotted for slots. And that's normally around like 16 or 18. And so I'm sitting 22nd right now. Um, and you only could take three per school. So... That will uh, take a few guys out ahead of me that uh, don't qualify through their school. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I can get, you know, it really could depend. Maybe a top 15 and you know, another top 10 would really help me with that. So, yeah, we'll see. Great. And then in terms of the season so far, how's it, I mean, give us a big picture. We talked before the year. How's it gone so far, you know, from, from your perspective? Obviously, as usual, there's always some weather issues, I think, each week probably. But how's it gone overall? Yeah, I mean, overall <laughs> – the skiing's been there. You know, I've just had a few mistakes in the early ones and then um, had a good opportunity the last carnival, but DNF'd in that one, sadly. So, um, yeah, I mean, the skiing's been there. Just had to, you know, focus down and put all one clean run together, you know, and then go from there. So, yeah. Well, I heard the Harvard carnival was just a mess. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh, I had a, a tougher spot there, too. So they cut it at um, – normally it's the they flip the top 30 after first run. And they decided because it was getting pretty late in the day because of the weather, we had to start later. So they only took the top 30 period for second run. So I was the only one in the team in there for second run. And I uh, I went out in the second run, sadly, which was tough, you know, kind of a little bit of the, the pressure of the team on my back <laughs> right. there. So, um, yeah, that was too bad. You know, I mean, it would have been a good opportunity. There was only 21 finishers. So mm. if I had just made it down, it would have been a decent result. So, you know, it's kind of one of those those tough, those tough kind of like, you know, you know, you go between like, do I just go out and go for it or do I play it safe, you know? So, yeah. And hopefully this is not your last competition this weekend, but what are your thoughts on, you know, the season winding down and, you know, being a senior and whatnot and what lies ahead perhaps? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm really excited for the races coming up and I'm definitely ready for a little bit of a break, but, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot more races until like April, so. Oh, def- you do? Just outside the carnival outside season? Outside the carnival season. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Tell, tell us about those, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. Um, they're a little bit all over, you know, mm-hmm. just um, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, yeah. all have stuff. So if there's some weekend opportunities, I'm definitely going to show up and, you know, still still go out there and race because I love it. So, yeah. So the team go together to those or individual more? Yeah, it's more individual, mm-hmm. but um, normally sometimes there's stuff that lines up more locally that the whole team can go to oh, on great. weekends and stuff. But, like, there's some um, group of us in Canada right now racing this week, so... Um, which was a good opportunity for them. So, yeah, so there's kind of some random stuff midweek, too. People that don't have classes, that helps. So Anything at Sunday River or no? Yeah, so we oh. have – I don't know if it's on a weekend. I know we have a midweek, um, just a fist race. And then there's um, Eastern Cup Finals, which is an open fist race still. But, I mean, it's kind of the end of the year Eastern Cup races. Mm-hmm. Um so those are at Sunday River towards the end of the year as well, I'm pretty sure. So. Okay, great. So it's kind of interesting. Like, you, because there's so many races still left to do, this weekend isn't necessarily anything, like, interesting or different for you, really. Yeah, it? you know, it's definitely always celebrated, you know. Yeah. When, the, when you make it to the finish line for the last time in your yeah. college carnival, it's always a big, you know, you know, hooray and everything. So um, it's definitely marks kind of the end of, you know, a certain part of your ski career, which is nice. And it kind of, you know, then you can, you know – because the other fist races are really for your point profile, which you build for your start position and really for the next year. So, you know, that's something that the early uh, late season races are normally kind of the goal of everyone else is to get those points down and being someone that doesn't really have to worry too much about that for the future. You can kind of just go out there and have fun, which is nice. So, Gotcha. So after you graduate from Bates this spring, are you going to you know, continue skiing competitively in your mind or how's that go? Um, at this point, I'm not really looking to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm definitely looking for the, you know, career path right yeah. now is my mission, but I definitely know it'll be part of my life still. And I know I'll be in Gates again at some point. So, you know, and I'm sure there'll be something I can hop into later. So yeah. what kind of career are you looking at? So I'm a chemistry major. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the uh, semiconductor 
um, field. So yeah, a few few jobs I'm looking at right now. So so we'll see. Awesome, and I guess yeah. Any other thoughts on the Williams Carnival in terms of you know a, a career best for you, right? Yeah. I mean, in terms of you know what that means, um, you know, being a senior and achieving that kind of right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely you know I think that my career has been a little tough with COVID in the middle sure. of it too, which was tough. And you know, last season I had a little bit of you know tough luck with uh, a few DNFs, losing a ski, you know, mm. and then I had a, a few good results. But I think I've always been kind of just like. You know, a little, you know, ski racing is pretty mental and, you know, just trying to get what you need to get to the next race. And then I feel like I've kind of a little bit more just been like, I think I just need to go out there and go for it, you know. And so kind of was in that mindset and my coach gave me a good little talk before. So that was always really helpful. So, um, yeah, yeah. And it was actually kind of funny. Um, so like when you're at this top and they have to do like gate repair, they kind of like have to do like a stop start. So you're mm. kind of standing there, like you're kind of ready to go. And I think that honestly helped me. I had, I had one both runs. Which, you know, sometimes you don't want that, but I think it helped me just kind of like, you know, settle down, especially second run and just kind of, you know, not think too much, you know. Wait, so you started and they made you come back? Uh, not out of the oh. start, yeah. So you're like at the start, they yeah. normally have like an interval, like a set interval, 40 seconds. Sure. Um, and there was a gate out and so they had to go fix that. It took them like five minutes. So oh, you so you kinda, took a deep breath and... Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah kind of let you mellow out a little bit, which was which was nice, honestly. So I think that, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, they got, you call it like getting iced, you know. They, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, you know, they stop you right before you're about to go and you're like, oh, I got to reset. So, you know, honestly, I think it works. So, hmm. yeah. Great. Well, Crawford, congrats again on a big performance there at Williams and looking forward to seeing what you do there at St. Lawrence. Yeah, thank you so much. The women's squash team won three straight matches at CSA Nationals over the weekend, taking home the Epps Cup title. The Bobcats defeated Vassar 9-0 on Friday, Haverford 9-0 on Saturday, and Nescak foe Hamilton 5-4 on Sunday. Senior captain Erica Parker went 3-0 on the week, playing at the number three position. And she joins the Bobcast to reflect on the season and her career at Bates. Take us through, you know, as a senior captain and how proud you were of this team able to get those victories, especially, you know, some of the players who entering this year hadn't played collegiate squash before, right? Yeah, definitely. It was really exciting to see their result. And as captain, I was really proud because this was a season that was just like different than any season that I lived since my freshman year. Because as you were saying, we had so many players that were new and some of them have like never even played squash in their lives just to see how much they improved and also how much they enjoyed just coming to practice and traveling with us. I think that was the most rewarding part about the entire season because it it felt great to win, but that's something that we already felt in past seasons. But just to see how excited everyone was because they worked so hard to get there was probably the best thing. And then the Hamilton match, five to four, Grace Flaherty got the clinching victory. Take us through maybe watching her uh, get that key four-game win there to clinch it, right? Yes, it was definitely <laughs> – I was definitely very nervous because <laughs> I was the last one on my court to play. So while I was warming up, I was watching everyone play, and it came at a point where we were like almost like two all, and then – three all so it was very nerve-wracking and then while I was playing cricket was playing at the same time and her game was very close and then after I finished playing Grace was winning I think she was winning 1-0 and I think after it was 2-0 but then it was 1-2 so everyone just started getting really nervous but then she focused on her game and then she did what she can do really well and then she just won (laughs) So it was definitely a very happy moment for everyone. Great. And a big weekend for you personally, obviously. Um, what does it feel like to, you know, to finish off, you know, your time here at Bates with three straight wins? I mean, I don't know. Are you going to go to individual nationals? I don't know. But in terms of the team. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not sure about okay. individuals that kind of yeah. like we just need to like see and wait what happens. Yeah. But it was definitely a perfect weekend for me to just kind of like finish season because even at the last day, it's probably the hardest day because everyone's just tired. It's a long weekend. We got there on Thursday. Our games were late at night. So by Sunday, everyone was really tired. But then while you're playing, you realize that it's definitely the last push. And then I remember I was really tired when I was 2-1 and the game was still pretty close. And then I just like heard in the crowd, last push. And then I realized that it was literally my last push from like, my entire season and from this weekend as well. So that really helped me to finish what I started. 
And the other thing about um, the environment, I mean, this is a, in the middle of a big city, right? I mean, Philadelphia, it's not a small college campus in the NESCAC. So what was the environment like, you know, going to a big city like this? Yeah, definitely. That also adds to us being more tired because it's not like we take like a car from the campus to the courts no like we walk from the hotel to the courts then there's like a lot of traffic and there's so many different teams it's not that you have your own court and your own space to warm up nationals is a very different environment where you are responsible of taking care of the little things you're responsible of like also sometimes bringing your own snack or finding your own place where you can warm up because the warm-up is not guaranteed you have to find your time to do this so that definitely adds for everyone to being a little bit more exhausted, but the team communication was great and Coach Rye was always there to support us and help us. So that really made a difference for us this weekend. You touched on this earlier, but I am curious, you know, being a senior captain, what was it like leading this team this year because of, you know, a lot of, you know, inexperienced players? Uh, what, what was it kind of, kind of maybe different from maybe what you were expecting perhaps? Yes, so definitely the experience on the team was different. And at first it was a little bit tricky on how to manage that. But at the end, we all realized that we had the same goal that was having fun. And no matter how experienced everyone was in the team, everyone wanted to work hard. So this team really made things easy for the captains because the energy was high during the entire season. Everyone was working hard on their own. So it was not like you had to like follow them and ask them to work hard. They really wanted to be there. And that was always the main thing before a match. I think that we won because we really wanted it. Great. And as a senior, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on kind of on you know, looking back on your time at Bates, how it's kind of gone. I mean, you obviously had to go through the pandemic and everything, but uh, emerging here strong with a, with a, a three straight wins there. But I mean, tell me a little bit about your your career as a whole as you kind of look back on it, the journey, if you will, right? Yeah, it's really crazy to just like think about my freshman year and how things have changed. Because right now, I see the only freshman that we have on the team and I really see myself in her and it's just like very different. But at the same time, I had a great captain. So it really helps that my freshman year, I had a great experience. And although I didn't know a lot and like, I remember my first national championship, I was like, so where are we going to start warming up? Why are things different than like Nescax or a Bates game? Why are we not doing intros like we normally do? So those things now I know, and there was always a person who explained those things to me. And now it feels great that I can be that person for someone else. Great. Well, Erica, um, thank you so much again for joining us on the Bobcast. I really appreciate it. And congrats again on the Epps Cup title for the Bobcats. Thank you. <laughs> well, it finally happened. A Bobcat sprinter broke the seven-second mark in the 60-meter dash. It happened Saturday at Bowdoin College's Lynn Ruddy Invitational when Bates men's track and field senior Derek Shen won the 60 meters in 6.92 seconds, breaking his own program record in the event. Well, we've been talking about it like all year on the Bobcast. Who's going to break through seven seconds in the 60-meter dash? And Derek Shen did it there at the Lynn Ruddy Invitational. Derek, I mean, the prelims, decent time, but really cut a lot off in the, in the finals. What was the difference in your opinion? So I think um, the difference was that after the prelims, I really uh, – got the jitters and the nerves out of my body. Um, I remember before the prelims, I felt a little bit nervous. Um, you really haven't, haven't raced uh, the last week, so it's my first race in a couple weeks. I felt a little bit nervous, but uh, once I got out the blocks in my prelims, everything um, went according to plan, executed well. But it was a different kind of poise I felt for the finals. I wasn't um, nervous at all. Um, I wasn't really aware of who's, who's around me. Um, I felt calm and I felt really like meditated, um, and I, I just knew um, if I got out the blocks well, I'll, I'll run a really good race. So that's what I did. I know sometimes you know the time sooner than later, and depending on what, what meet you're at, how soon did you know the time there? Yeah, so I, I knew I won the race. Yeah, yeah, right, I, right. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really see anyone around me when yeah. I crossed the finish line. Um, uh, I, I had a feeling that I would run a pretty fast time, uh, since usually we're pretty close. Um, but right as I crossed the line, um, Kevin, my teammate Kevin, who's behind me, uh, yelled, oh, I think that's 6'9", Derek. So um, I was very, I, I was still decelerating and, and jumping into the, the, the stopping blocks, um, the pads. 
Um, so I hit the blocks, hit the pads, and then flipped over the pads because um, I was going pretty fast. Yeah. But I heard six nine before, so I climbed back over really quickly, sprinted back to the to the uh, the the screen, uh, the 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 display screen, and I saw six point nine two, and that's that's when it all came loose. I was very excited. Um, I, I did a victory lap a little bit, um, hugged all my teammates, and saw some alumni there as well. So uh, very very good um, finish. And we talked to Colby, uh, I think, a week or two ago, and he talked about how an alum reached out to him after he broke the 200-meter record. Is it cool to have some of the, you know, sprinting alums starting to, like, you know, really pay attention to how, uh, you know, you three, you really, you, Colby, and Kevin are doing this year, huh? Yeah, it feels really good. Um, I think Eric Zwick, who was the yeah. previous 200-meter uh, indoor record holder, reached out to Colby, and I think that's uh, super cool for us because, um, you know, it's a great way for us to connect with the community that came before us. And um, and the base track and field community is super strong and a lot of alumni come to races. So um, have that kind of, having that kind of support means a lot to us. What, is it, um, what are your thoughts on New England's this weekend? Um, a return to the track at New Balance, right? Yeah. Um, return to the track at New Balance. Very excited. Um, we have a lot of um, uh, great athletes on our team that are going. Um this year should be very competitive, um, and we don't have to go as far uh, to uh, Middlebury. Right. That was quite the track <laughs> yeah. last year. So um, this year's a little bit of shorter distance, so I think we'll be um, well-rested, well-prepared. Um, we have this next uh, few days to practice to, to really tune up for the race. Um, so overall, I'm very excited, um, although I have a pretty good seed time. I'm currently number two uh, mm. in New England's. Um, I know it's going to be a fight. Um it's going to be a very competitive prelim to to gain the you know top eight spot to get into finals. So um, I need to really dial in and and put forth my best performance on that day. The top guy is uh, MIT. Is that right? Yeah, top guy MIT Jeremiah Budeman, um, who runs a six point eight three. Um, so I'm sitting behind him at six point nine two. Gotcha. And you've raced against him before, right? I have. Yeah. yeah. And um, he's he's very quick. When you have someone who is the top seed coming in, you're the two seed. I mean, what are your thoughts on that in terms of like having someone? I mean, are you gonna be? I mean, in the prelims, you may, you you'll probably be in this heat, I imagine, right? Actually, I, I'm not sure. Okay, um, they kind of stagger the heat, so okay. they mix everybody up. Gotcha. Usually, the top guys probably won't run next to each other. Okay. So I'd imagine I'm not gonna be in his heat. Mm. Um, but is that helpful or hurtful to not have the fastest guy in your heat? <laughs> um, for me, it, it's hurtful. Mm. Um. Just you know, this this past weekend at Lynn Ruddy, um, in my prelim, I was faster than everyone by at least point four. Sure. Um, so that's a big difference. And as soon as I got out the blocks, everyone's gone. <laughs> Halfway through the race, like couldn't feel anyone. Right. So um, not having that competition next to me, uh, I just it's really hard to know how hard to push yourself mm. if you're just running by yourself. Um, and in the final, I had more uh, contact, more push from my teammates who were, who were much faster. Um, so that definitely um, generated a faster time for me. Uh, but at New England, it's a different story because everyone's much sure. faster on a different level. So um, the competition will be more fierce, and I believe that will push me to my best as well. Yeah, it should be a it should be a fun uh, meet there. Certainly, I mean, hopefully we'll see you and and Colby and well, Colby's he's running sixty also, right? So hopefully yes. you, Colby, Kevin, all in that final, right? Absolutely, that's the goal. Yeah, and and um, you know, Kevin saying, you know, I think that was six. That's that's pretty cool moment. I mean, so he's obviously, I mean, he's a sophomore, a little younger, but he set a PR too. So what are your thoughts on you know when the younger sprinters getting something done there, right? Yeah, Kevin O'Connor, big yeah. shout out. Yeah, um, seven point zero eight, very very fast time, number fourth. On the all-time list. Yeah. So right now we're one, two, four on the all-time. Uh, very exciting, uh, especially for Kevin. He's a very he's a sophomore. He's you know uh, young and he has a lot more time to develop. This is only his second season, and he has made great, tremendous improvements this season. Um, last year he was point zero one from qualifying for New England. So mm-hmm. He ran seven sixteen, um, and he opened up well this year at MIT, and then just over the season cons- uh, consistently improved his time. Um, and I know we've consistently talked about being under 7.1 kevin and i um and he did it this meet um it's a great place to do it you know Bowden has a great track and it's just a great feeling for all three of us to be under 708 and all three of us to run 7069 that just means uh, so much for us uh, going into outdoor and for the relays yeah you touched on outdoors um what are some thoughts on events you're excited for for outdoors i mean as a sprinter uh, i imagine the 100 will be your bread and butter or what 
Absolutely. So yeah. for me, the 100 meters is going to be my focus, yeah. um, as well as the 4 by 100 meter relay. Sure, right. Um, uh, I think uh, with my newly uh, uh, newly developed uh, 60 meter start speed, um, I can put forth a very good performance in the 100 meter. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a bit of a longer race, so I think the preparation will be a little bit different, you know, working on longer, longer reps. But um, um, the 4x1 is really the, also the, the other area that I'm super excited for. Um, just because we're just improving at such rapid rates, we can really make a difference in that event. Because last year we, um, we didn't place as well at NESCAX as a few of the guys are sick. Mm-hmm. But um, this year I think we can do really well at NESCAX and looking forward to that. Yeah, the 4x1 really, that's when really the sprinters can all come together as one sort of, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Who's the fourth one? That's probably you, Colby, and Kevin. And then yeah, so right now the fourth one um, still under consideration. Okay, right. Yeah, so... <laughs> I just want to sign that probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's up to coach. Yeah, but, um, we have our full faith in coach to put yeah. together the most uh, effective lineup, and um, and it's also you know as as I'm learning as well, I'm new to the sport. You know, the different legs have different strengths, um. Um, so it's important to place the right person on the right leg. Um, so that's something to think about as well. Um, uh, just uh, whatever leg I'm on, if I'm on it anyway, like I'm just excited to contribute. Yeah, it's covered in snow right now, or and rain, I guess. But uh, the new track looks pretty sweet out in Russell, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking mm-hmm. forward to competing on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we practiced on it a little bit in the fall. Sure. Um, and it's just a great surface. Everything's new, bright, and shiny. <laughs> um, just can't wait to get outside. And you know, when once it gets warmer, it's really you know nowhere better to be than outside. And we still got indoors, though. We got New England's this weekend. And yep. what are your thoughts you want to share on New England's? Because it is such a big meet for the team to, you know, try to, you know, make a statement sort of, uh, uh, you know, one of the top teams. Because I think last year you really did that at indoors and mm-hmm. looking to repeat that. And this year, yeah, I think we can do much better. Mm. Um, we have more uh, qualif- qualifications, I think. Uh-huh. Um, men and women team, women's team are both, you know, look, looking very good. Um, on the women's side, uh, the 60-meter dash, uh was a big PR for Lily. Yep. Um, great run by Alice as well. Um, and Alice, I think, qualified in the 200 meter as well. That's right, yeah. So great results of, across the board. I don't think last year it was as uh, many qualifications. Um, so it's it's just overall great improvement for, for the sprint side across both teams. But uh, throws is always going to be great. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> Liam Byrne is like uh, almost top, is like top 20 in the uh, weight throw. and. Mm. James Gagne, Jacob Goff are all like top 40, top 30. Um, so uh, they have a great team there, um, and they usually get a lot of points for us. It's all about you know total points at yeah. New England's at these championship meets. So we want to go out there, um, all get in the finals, because if you don't get in the finals, you can't get the points. You have to make the finals and get as much points as possible. Um, MIT is always going to be up there, mm. so we want to challenge them as best as possible. But after MIT, it's really a toss-up between all the NESCAC schools. Um so we want to go for, you know, see if we can get uh, shoot down Tufts and Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're top people from last year, sort of, I think, got sick or got injured, so they're not as competitive this year. Mm. So we can definitely have a good chance at, you know, topping, topping all those NESCAC schools and, you know, really give it a good push. Sounds good. That's Friday and Saturday there. Yep. Yep. At the track at New Balance. Derek, thank you so much for joining the Bobcast. Congrats again on breaking through that seven-second mark. Thank you. The men's lacrosse season was supposed to begin Wednesday at 1 p.m., with the Bobcats hosting the University of Southern Maine at Garcelon Field, but the Huskies have some illnesses in the program, so the game has been postponed. Nevertheless, first-year head coach Dan Anino joins the Bobcast to preview this season. So far, it's been great, you know, certainly drinking from the fire hose at times, but I feel like we've had a really productive offseason as a staff, and early part of the preseason here as, as a team. And so obviously you played at Amherst, right? And so you played Bates when you were in school. What do you remember about those games against the Bobcats? Man, we had some we had some fun battles with uh, with Bates back in my time. And um, I remember always being up-tempo, run and gun. There was a lot, of, uh, a lot of fun lacrosse. You know, I think it was, they were always fun games to play. They were always competitive games to play. Um, and, and they were probably also really fun games to watch. Um, because it was a lot of up and down, it was a lot of creativity, and um, you know a lot of the things that that we're hoping to build on with with some great Bates teams during that time. So tell me a little bit about the team this year, and maybe some key players you're excited to see what they can do, um, returning or possible newcomers as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're 
we're in a pretty fun spot. One is the staff. We're, we're getting to know our guys still um, and, and still have a ton of work to do there and getting to know our guys on the field. Um, but, you know, we're fortunate. We're bringing, we're bringing a bunch of guys with experience back, um, guys like Will Masterson on the offensive end, Max Patterson on the defensive end. Um, you know, we're also fortunate to return some guys that, um, you know, missed some times last year. Alex Horowitz has is, is been playing great um, on the offensive side of things. And um, I also think we have some younger guys, first years and, and otherwise, that are um, ready to make a big jump in, in their game as, as college athletes. So, you know, guys like Denzel Evans, guys like Henry Bruninks, um, Colton Curtis, uh, guys uh, on the younger end of our roster that I think are, are ready to play a big role for us. Tell us about your four captains. So we have, um, you know, Malcolm Klingbeal, uh, Garrett Fitzsimons, J uh, Jackson Williams are, are three of our seniors um, who were elected captains for us, and then Jake Johnson is a is a junior captain for us. Um, we have a really really special group. I think they're a group that complements each other well in terms of their leadership styles. Um, you know, and, and a group of guys that I think support their teammates in a really good way and um, more importantly understand their role as captains are, um, are their role is to, is to serve our team and to serve our program and, and they've bought into that in a big way. You know, they're the last guy out of the locker room, they're, they're the first guy and the last guy off the field, they're carrying the balls, they're moving the goals um, and, and they're showing what it looks like to be a servant leader. What are some goals maybe you've set with the team, like to say, if we achieve this, this will be a successful year beyond necessarily the win-loss record? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we we look at, um, you know, as we get into the course of the season, we're really focused on our on our process-oriented goals more so than our outcome-oriented goals. So that's where a lot of our focus is day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week during the season um, and, and focusing on, on getting 1% better and, and moving closer towards being the best version of us and this 2023 team. Um, but, you know, some of the things that we, we set out uh, throughout the offseason, some outcome-oriented goals that we wanted to set for ourselves, you know, first thing first, we, we got to win the state of Maine. We got to win uh, here in our own backyard. Uh, we get an opportunity tomorrow to, to start that goal off and, and take on a, an in-state opponent in Southern Maine. Um, and then we got three more in-state opponents coming up later in our, in our schedule. So before we can look any further outside of our scope, we got to make sure we take care of business here, here in our own backyard. Great. And then, um, you know, in terms of your two assistant coaches you brought in, tell us about them and what kind of they're bringing to the table. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first assistant that we were able to bring on board here was uh, Thomas Kozowski, um, who's working on the defensive side of the ball. He comes to us from uh, Kenyon College, where he's a defensive coordinator and recruiting coordinator, um, and, and he brings a ton of experience and uh, a ton of success at that program and, and with his unit there. And, you know, he's a guy that, that brings a ton of energy um, and, and a ton of focus, you know, not just on the field, but um, in terms of, you know, our guys' preparedness and their, and their fitness. He's, he's really sharp on that side of things and, you know, I think has, has done a really good job in building our foundation that, that we're hopefully going to continue to build on from here on out. And then um, the, the second guy we were able to bring on board um, it was Andrew Smith's dad, who, who's coming to us from um, his most recent position as head coach of uh, the Calgary Shamrocks in Canadian Junior B Lacrosse. Um, so he certainly brings that indoor background and that box style. Um, you know, he's been he's been incredible so far with with our guys in terms of you know their skill development and and finding some of those marginal gains and in our guys individually and, and how they be, can become more efficient, um, how they can become more secure with the ball in their stick or without the ball in their stick, um, and is really bringing a, a pretty fun element to, to our offense. Great. And then you touched on you know, some of the captains. Uh, Jackson Williams, you mentioned him. He was a, he's a face-off guy for you, um, and he, I thought he had a really good year last year. I mean, what do you kind of see? What are you looking for from your face-off guys and who are, should we expect to see out there this year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jackson, Jackson's been great so far. Um, he and, and Mick Burden are, are two uh, of our returning face-off athletes and I think a really good tandem um, and, a, and a pair that complement each other really well in terms of being able to do some different things. But, you know, our focus um, at that position is really to, to play those face-offs as a unit, right, and give our, our wing players 
um, some really good opportunities to make plays. I think we have some really got some guys who can be really dynamic um, from the wings. And and our goal for those faceoff guys is give give those players guys like Ben Miller, guys like Eli Sherbakov, guys like Jack Dowse and Cooper Lance opportunities to. Uh, to win some 50-50 ground balls and, and create some opportunities for us. Self-scouting this team, what are some areas you're looking for improvement kind of maybe on the field? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we have room to grow across the board. Um, you know, certainly some new systems, some new language and terminology. Um, so there's there's some growing pains with that. And, you know, that said, I've been really impressed with how quickly guys have picked up on those things and how quick um, – of learners our guys have been and that's one of the special things of, of coaching at an institution like Bates um, is you have really cerebral student athletes and, and guys who can pick up on the mental side of the game and um, import a lot of a lot of information um, so I think we've made really good progress there but you know we're going to continue to tweak and refine and uh, become more comfortable with with our systems and the way we want to do things um, which is going to allow us down the line to start adding some more nuance and, and being a little bit more multiple in what we can do great and then uh, this last question for you as a first-time head coach what's been the biggest adjustment for you yeah absolutely I mean I think um, being on the field right and being between the white lines like that's that's the happy place that's where everything's easy and makes sense you know a lot of the adjustment as a first-time head coach is all the things behind the scenes um you know a lot of the logistics and, and different responsibilities that are called on of a head coach but you know i'm i'm really fortunate to have um you know my assistant coaches and, and the guys we have in in our coaches room because um you know they're able to take on so much uh of the lacrosse side of things um to kind of free me up to to handle all the other things that I'm learning for the first time. So I'm really thankful for them because, you know, that this transition and, and this new role would be um, certainly a, a much bigger challenge without, without their hard work. The baseball team is in Florida this week, preparing to compete in three games at the Russ Matt Invitational. Opening day is this Saturday, and head coach John Martin previews the season. Coach, first of all, obviously, you know, we're talking to you before you head down to Florida, but uh, how excited are you and the Bobcats to get down there to – some sunny weather and to get on uh, some fields, right? Oh yeah, yeah, we're definitely excited. Um, you know, we've got we've 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 actually had a, a pretty weak winter, I think, uh, as far as main standards go. But uh, you know, the guys are, have been working hard. They're excited. We're ready for some sunshine and some Bermuda grass and some palm trees and good baseball. And uh, you know, I I think that all of us are, are ready to get on the plane tomorrow afternoon and, and get out of here for a week for sure. And you've got some guys returning on offense who got a lot of playing time last year. Uh, Christopher Seminole had a really breakout season, I thought, um, hitting 380 last year after he worked his way into the starting lineup. Uh, what what about him in particular maybe stood out and allowed him to have so much success in really his first full year of uh, college baseball? Sims is a great baseball player just all the way around. I mean, he's got a, a great IQ for the game and and uh, a good focus level. And and obviously, he's a, he's a, a very good hitter at this level. Um, so we're expecting him to kind of get right back into it and and continue going. Um, he's looked really good so far in the preseason, and um, I and I have a lot of faith in him that he can kind of continue the drive that he left off on last year for sure. And I touched on it that last year was really a lot of these guys' first full season because we had the two abbreviated years. So what did maybe you learn about your team and um, and what did maybe they learn about this uh, level of, of baseball, you know, having not had that much experience entering last year, perhaps. Yeah. It's funny when you reached out and wanted to to do this interview, I, I was thinking about looking at the roster and thinking about some of the guys. And it's hard to believe that, you know, the seniors this year have really only have one full college season under their belt. I mean, that's just crazy to think about. Uh, but yeah, last year, you know, last year was last year. I mean, I think all of us have turned the page. Um, our work ethic is better. We, the guys have really been working hard. Um, I think that we've got a, a good positive attitude. We're, we're loose. We're having fun. Um, we, we've got some some new pieces that, you know, we need to, to, to fill in some spots from last year. And, um, you know, I, I think they're, they're all excited to go out and, and, and just play the game that we all love. And 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 give it another crack. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what this is all about, you know. So, um, you know, we're all about the bounce back and and uh, kind of turning the page and and clearing our heads and and realize that, uh, you know, next weekend when we start our season and it's a whole new campaign and and we're ready to 
to take the field. And, and I think that our confidence level is really high. Um, and, you know, we're not we're not dwelling in the past at all. I mean, it's time to turn the page and, and, and continue on. Well, speaking of that, you know, looking at your returning pitchers or maybe some newcomers, perhaps we sh- should keep an eye on you know, guys who might be into the rotation, um, you know, down the street. You may not know yet, but who are some pitchers maybe you're excited about early on here? Yeah, you know, what's funny, too, is is uh, we have two basically senior pitchers that um, will also be coming back again next year because of COVID, and and they weren't here in, in 2021 for the COVID season we had. So um, those two guys are Teddy Nelson and Sam Huff. Um, they will be back. I know Teddy started quite a few games last year. Um, Huff was mainly out of the bullpen. Um, you know, their roles could stay the same or could change. We're going to kind of experiment a little bit and see how, see how they pan out. Um, Corbin McAlpine, who, who got a brunt of innings last year, you know, we're expecting good things out of him. Uh, Luke Linehan has looked really good so far in the preseason. He's pounding the zone with all his pitches, throwing a ton of strikes. Um, good head for the game, uh, you know, works quick. I mean, he's, he's doing everything we want. Um, I think, you know, some other guys that we could mention, Chris McGrail, um, and Matthew Shrake, they're, they're both, uh, left-handers that, uh, uh, you know, could serve in, in a variety of roles for us this year. Um, so we're excited to kind of see what, what those guys can do. Um, a couple of freshman arms. I mean, John Tully, um, a freshman, uh, hard thrower, good slider. I mean, he's, he's definitely pounding the zone early on in the, in the preseason. He's looked really good. Max Dio uh live arm definitely uh has has some high velocity um you know if, if we can we can find his role early on in the season i think you know he's got a lot of upside obviously to his potential so you know i think we've got we've got some guys that uh uh have learned a lot from last year you know our 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 whole goal kind of in the preseason is to to get strike one on the first pitch of every at bat uh be smart about pitches that were thrown in certain counts um, you know, pound the fastball on both sides of the plate, uh, be able to throw inside effectively, um, you know, and do the little things, control the running game, field your position and that sort of thing. So I think we're, you know, we're headed in the right direction. Obviously, you know, we got to get outside. I mean, they haven't gotten dirt on their spikes yet uh, because we've been inside already. But, uh, you know, I'm excited. I think that, that we've got some good young arms and some guys that uh, some veteran guys that can help kind of pave the road a little bit. And in the field, any position battles you're looking forward to seeing during non-conference play or any spots that are definitely like locked in perhaps at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, looking at it, I I, I like where Jack Brennan's at right now um, up the middle. I mean, I, I expect him to be our shortstop this year moving forward. Athletic player, uh, good glove, good arm. Um, you know, he's just kind of that that guy that that he's always out on the field. He's always wanting more work. He's always um just kind of you know just doing the ball player things that you want out of a player you're looking at the corners I mean you know Henry Jamison obviously is coming back I mean we expect Henry to to fill a role I think he he swings the bat well um he played a lot of summer ball he's looking to continue on to play in graduate school when he gets out of here um so you know we're expecting big things out of him Tyler Rattall um senior captain um, you know, I, I look to him for him to patrol the outfield again uh, this year um, and, and serve in a big role out there. Drew Fallon as well. Um, and then, you know, John Nowak, senior captain, uh, catcher, you know, I mean, uh, I think that that the senior class has has really, uh, um, you know, kind of set the standard, I think, for what we're looking for um, for this year with our captains as well. Alex Ross, too, you know, big guy, first baseman. Uh, we've been working him on the mound and, and it's, it's pretty impressive. So I, I think that, you know, he's got the ability to, to kind of serve in a couple different roles as well. Um, so I, I think all these guys are, are, they're, they're excited for their senior year. They want to come out and, and kind of turn the script a little bit from last year. They worked really hard. Um, they're a great group of guys to be around and, and, uh, you know, I'm excited for them and, and I can't wait to see what they, what they put out there this year. Well, you mentioned Noak and also a tall and obviously the two captains and up the middle, right? Catcher center field. How important is it to have that leadership from those guys? Cause everyone all, all talks about, you want to be strong up the middle, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of, it should be, I think most coaches when they're looking for like their defensive philosophy, I mean, you want to be strong up the middle, right? With, you know, your pitcher catcher middle infield and then center field, right? I mean, that's, that's where most of the, the action is going to be. So you want those to be kind of the, 
you know, the main guys. But um, yeah, I mean, these guys, they love to play baseball and and they play a lot. I mean, all these guys play in the summer. Um, you know, they 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 understand the the level that we're trying to play now. They finally have a full season under their belt um, of college baseball and understand that, you know, being in Maine, you know, the March road trips are tough and um, dealing with the weather and, and trying to prepare, um, you know, in kind of a simulated practice session um, and then have to go out and play the real game. I mean, it's not easy. And um, I think that now that they've got the experience and they understand what this is about, you know, they've, they've set a good standard for us and especially for the young guys as well. Great. Well, I guess any other thoughts you wanted to share about the upcoming baseball season uh, we haven't got to talk about yet, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've got some some first-year position players too that, that I'm excited to see. Um, Jack Margoloff, uh, outfielder, uh, good bat. I think he's got a lot of upside. Gibby Sullivan's another guy that that plays uh, kind of utility in the in the infield. You can kind of put him in some different spots. You know, I think that he's got uh, definitely some upside too. Um, I mean, just looking at our roster here, I mean, I think the catcher position is going to be wide open. I, we're we're gonna we're gonna work some different guys back there. All these catchers, um, I mean, we have five of them on the roster. Like all of them have a, a different type of skill set. Um, and all of them have de some definite strengths as well. So, I mean, I think it's going to be like, you know, what, wh who our opponent is, um, who's on the mound and kind of what the situation is, right? The biggest thing for us, I think, as a team is we have options and we have depth and, you know, we can manage a game and, and you know, maybe pinch run earlier in the game than what we normally could, pinch hit earlier in the game normally than what we normally would. Um, and that's that's a big thing for us. So I think like, what my message to them is always like, if you're not on the starting lineup, I mean, you got to stay ready because we're going to make moves and we're going to use guys to their strengths as we manage the game. So um, guys need to be ready to go when that first pitch goes in and locked in and ready. And I think that uh, so far this this preseason, they've done a great job with that um, and their work ethic behind it. So I'm, I'm excited to get the season underway. Great. I actually did forget one thing I wanted to ask you about. You have a couple of, uh, new assistant coaches, or at least one new assistant coach, right, in Mike LaFlem. Tell us about him. Yeah, Mike uh, came over. We call him Coach Flame. Um, he uh, he came over from Plymouth State. Um, he's doing a great job. I mean, he's just a baseball guy through and through. I mean, he 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 wants to get out and work. He loves to break a sweat um, and get out there and, and throw BP and hit a fungo. And he's really been working with our hitters about their approach this year, um, which is something we really needed to kind of harp on. Um, you know, I, I just hope that, that his arm doesn't fall off from, from all the BP he's been throwing and, and he can handle it throughout the course of the season, but he's doing a great job. He's a great addition to our staff. And then obviously, uh, Isaiah Fleming is back for another year for his second year. Um, and then, um, coach Jeff Benson, who's a longtime uh, assistant coach here. He's been here for about 10 years. Um, great addition. And, um, I like our staff a lot. I think that uh, we're doing the best we can to prepare the guys. Um, and Flame, obviously, I mean, I think that uh, the offensive approach that he's teaching um, is exactly what we need at this point. So I think he's doing a great job. All right. Head Coach John Martin, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast and preview the baseball season. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. The women's lacrosse team got its season off on the right foot with an 11-6 win over NCAA Division II opponent Fort Lewis College. The Bobcats will be in Colorado for a couple more days as they take on Colorado College this Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Stay up to date on all the latest Bates Athletics news by going to GoBatesBobcats.com and we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates!